Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Where is the series going? What are the hopes of the car of the future? And could Marcus Ambrose return to Australia? We find out today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Marcus Ambrose has announced that he'll be leaving his current NASCAR team at the end of the year. In a statement released this week, he said that he is not ruled out returning to Australia, but his preference is to remain in the NASCAR series. Ambrose has denied that he has already signed with another team in NASCAR. Perhaps his name will be the next one linked with HRT. Because the rumours of HRT changing drivers at the end of the season are continuing, with Michael Caruso now becoming the focus of attention, this means that both Gary Rogers Motorsport drivers have been linked with the factory holding team. Rock Racing has announced their enduro combination with Bargs joined by Glenn Seaton. It means the team will have 38 Bathurst start between them, the equal of Triple Eight's Lowndes and Scaife. Jay spoke to me early in the year about what am I going to do this year and things like that because um, we sort of we've teamed up in the same team at 12 hour on that this year. So um, to get the opportunity to, to go there again, I think it's 26th, 27th time at Bathurst. <laughs> Um, and uh, get the opportunity to be a part of Jace's little show here and, uh, and go up there and Jace drives like a little terrier dog. I know that he's gonna, if he ever gets a chance, he's going to be digging at their heels. And to be a part of that, I'm looking forward to it and hopefully to get on that podium. That's our aim. Yeah, obviously this year with the not being able to pair up your number one drivers, the, uh, it's going to make the race very interesting. So last year we had Mark Noski in the car and we were fighting for a podium position. And I think this year with Glenn in the car, there's no doubt that the experience between us I think there's probably more starts between Glenn and I than anyone else out on the grid. Bugs is mindful of the fact he wants to get Seaton his first ever win at the mountain. Look, when you look at the, the amount of podiums Glenn's had at Bathurst, we teamed up uh, together from the 12 hour of the same team. And I chased him around the mountain, and I can tell you now, he knows the place well better than most, and that's the bloke you need in the car. And, and I'd be, uh, be honoured to be able to share his first win at Bathurst because... Fortunately for me, I've got one, but uh, it'd be nice to have a second and, and make sure Glenn gets his first. But Seaton's a realist. He sees 12 cars that could possibly win it. When now you've got that split, it probably gives 12 cars the opportunity to win that event. So I think we're, we're a part of those 12 cars. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Jace is looking forward to the challenge. <laughs> and we're going there to win. Jim Beam Racing have confirmed their enduro pairing with Courtney and Luff taking the championship lead car into the Phillip Island race while Stephen Johnson and Marcus Marshall will drive number 17. 
V8 Supercars will be joined at Simmons Plains by the Australian Superbike Series. Martin Whitaker announcing the extension of the partnership this week. With the Tassie event hosting the Australian Superbike Series final. Last year, Phillip Island saw the first of the 2x4 programs. With a strong spectator response, it is hoped that the additional event will continue to gain support of a 2x4 format. Could wildcards be extended to other rounds of the championship? Well, at last year, former champion Marcus Ambrose attempted to gain entry to the Telstra 500 in Sydney, but the rules did not allow other teams to provide an additional entry, and a regular main drain driver could not be found to stand aside for Ambrose Tender. It'll be interesting to see if the wildcard idea comes through finally. Week two of the winter break saw more driver ride days. Stone Brothers Racing completing ride days at Malala on Friday with Jack Perkins and Tim Slade at the wheel. Triple F Racing unveiled a new look livery on Monday with Michael Patrizzi getting some laps. And Stone Brothers Racing joined Triple F Racing at Eastern Creek on Tuesday. 60% of the grandstand seats have already been sold for next year's first Australian round of the championship at the Clipsal 500. 80% of the corporates in the main pick complex have also been sold. This is a 10% increase in demand over last year. Adam Perry told the V8 Insiders that he's enjoying his new role at V8 Supercars Australia. Uh, Extremely challenging, Craig. I mean, um, I'm I'm really honoured to actually be part of the Car the Future project. It'll obviously... um uh, it's, it's, it's probably the biggest project supercar's ever undertaken from an engineering point. But mate, I'm, I'm happy to be involved, and, and uh, it's certainly something I, we can all get our teeth into. And um, I can't wait to see the cars roll out. In this week's white flag lap, it's an extended one because we hear from Perry on the Car of the Future project. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. I hope you stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week to talk about the future as they see it through their crystal ball. From SEN's On The Grid, it's Tony Shebecki. And from Motorsport News, it's Lachlan Mansell. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Lachlan. Good evening, Tony. Good evening, Craig. How are you going? Well, I'm going great. And uh, I thought this week, as we're in week two of this ridiculously long break, I would ask you guys, being great futurists and having a vision, par none, where do you see the V8 Supercar Series in three, five, and ten years' time, Tony? Well, probably three years' time, I don't see too much of a change I would have thought, but five and ten years, I definitely can. I think the car of the future is something that's going to be taken up by somebody, one would have thought. V8 Supercars will work extremely hard on making sure that at least 
one other manufacturer, probably even two manufacturers coming up over the next, uh, I don't know, five years or so. So there'll be a change there. The Holden Ford dominance of V8 supercars won't be exclusive anymore. We know that that'll probably happen. Track-wise, I think we're in a good place now in regards to our split of uh, street circuits to just normal uh, racing circuits. But I think that may change. I think what's going to have to happen is that... Uh, Circuits are going to really need to keep themselves updating circuits such as Queensland, Barbagallo and the like. You're going to really need to keep updating themselves to keep up with V8 supercars. We don't want to have tracks where cars are too fast and you don't get any passing. So if that doesn't happen, we could have a bit more of a focus towards some more street circuits, one might even think as well. So we'll wait and see. The other thing I think is going to happen too in the next couple of years is definitely the round of the uh, Australian Grand Prix will become a championship round probably within the next two to three years. Mm, Lachlan, what about your uh, vision? I have to say I agree with pretty much everything Tony's just said. I think the introduction of the car of the future in the next few years is going to be instrumental in deciding the sort of direction the V8 Supercar Championship is going to head in the future. Looking a bit further down the track, though, looking to say where the sport's going to be in 10 years' time, one thing I'm very interested in is how new technology filtering, filtering down into the motoring industry in general is going to impact on motorsport both here in Australia and internationally. And I think that obviously we've got the ethanol fuel now in V8 supercars, but I'm not sure that ethanol is necessarily a long-term solution to the um, shortage of worldwide fossil fuel. So... Um, you know, I know that hydrogen technology, for example, is gradually being developed. And um, I think, you know, as soon as the technology finds its way into road cars, it's only going to be a matter of time before we see it in race cars as well. I'd like to see Kurz technology too. If we're talking about future technology, I think Kurz has a great uh, application in regards to renewable energy and the fact that, you know, they can uh, take that energy out of their braking power and the like. Hopefully that might even come into V8 supercars in the next uh, 10 years or so. I guess the moment we're finally looking at some cost reduction happening, when we look at the 10-year mark and, the, and, and beyond, are we going to be in a position where we are going to see pure motor racing in V8 supercars where people have a lot more flexibility? Or do you guys see the, uh, the rules clamping down even further and having less and less difference between every car on the track? Uh, Lachlan? I think, uh, yeah, you have to... It's, it's a tough one because motorsport developing technology which can then filter down into road cars, as we've seen with Formula One in the past, can be quite a good thing. But at the same time, I think that you have to limit the development of technology because if you make it too open and you make it there's too much room for the teams to innovate in terms of technology, then the bigger budget teams are the ones that come out on top and the smaller, lower budget teams are the ones that tend to struggle. So at the moment, it's obviously a controlled formula. And the great thing about V8 supercars in the present environment is that up and down the grid, there's not all that much difference between the cars. You Generally, in all the circuits we go to, you get the very front runners and the drivers down the back of the field separated by not much time at all in qualifying. And I think that's to keep it that way and if you make it too open then I think the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams would get bigger. Tony, you you, yeah. you think that's the same problem? We'll never see it go back to pure motor racing, pure unadulterated motor racing? 
It's really one that... The, it's a fine line, isn't it, uh, this this question? And, and I agree with you totally, Lachlan. If we open it too much up for uh, technology, teams are going to be screaming and, and we are going to be limited in the amount of teams that are going to be able to afford to take up that technology. But at the same time, if we uh, crack it down too much and we have everything pretty much the same it's going to end up being a fairly boring formula, one might have thought, and one that is only going to be recognised by driver ability. Obviously, teams who have a bit more in the budget will be able to pay for the better drivers, and once again, those cars will still be able to dominate. So it's a really fine line, and I'm sure the powers that be at V8 Supercars are aware of this and are are keeping an eye on which way they do, which way they do tip. Will it be, you know, to the the left or the right? It's a It'll be one interesting uh, thing to see over the next few years. Mm. Now, uh, you mentioned before, Tony, that you were happy with the mix of uh, tracks and uh, with the mix we've got now, and obviously there there could be change because of uh, all those reasons you mentioned earlier, but do you think we've got the right type of races at those tracks? Yeah, look, I think uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think definitely you need sprint racing on street circuits. I don't, I don't think there's any problems there. I haven't got an issue with that at all. And probably don't want to see too many Enduros. It, the Gold Coast being an exception, I suppose. We, we're we not calling Bathurst a street circuit, are we? I do. You do? I do. Well, we'll take Bathurst and the Gold Coast out of the equation, and I don't think we could have Enduros or Endurance races at Townsville or, or any other uh, area. I suppose, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what we've got running on what we've got at the moment. But as I said, as, as evolution continues, the evolution of circuits are going to need to continue as well. Otherwise, it's just it's going to be farcical. So you think three or four races in a weekend on a street circuit would be a better option than even the two we have now? The other thing that's going to be dependent on that too, Craig, is, is the formulas that are currently supporting V8 supercars. Are they still going to be viable in five years' time down the track? Are they still going to be able to put a good field, a competitive field, on the track in the next few years as that money starts to dwindle away and or starts to get more focused in towards different areas, I suppose, and not necessarily motor racing? So maybe V8 supercars might need to look at running three or four races on a weekend to cover what may be a shortage of support classes. Mm, Lachlan, I'd like to get your thoughts there. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, um, I think... At the moment, with the support categories for the V8 supercars, the problem is that there's really only one support category which is purely dedicated to giving young drivers the opportunity to showcase their talents in front of the V8 supercar teams, and that's the Formula Ford Championship. You look at the other classes that are on the support category at the moment, which are the V8 Utes, the Touring Car Masters, the Aussie Racing Cars, those three are all largely entertainment categories. And then the Australian GT Championship is um, generally one for wealthier property developers, among others, rather than necessarily young drivers looking to move up through the ranks. So I think as far as the support classes go, there's room for another series, possibly something like Commodore Cup, for example, which is an affordable stepping stone for young drivers who are looking to move from go-karts to potentially a professional career in V8 supercars. Now, the other it... thing just on that, guys, just before we move on to our next topic, uh, Fujitsu series needs to be redefined, I think, by the powers of be at V8 supercars. It can be a proper development series. I don't think it's being treated as that at the moment, though. We've got so many drivers who are in Fujitsu development series but don't get the opportunity to develop into proper V8 supercar 
category drivers, and that's obviously, you know, there's so many things that happen there, money and the like, but I think it needs to be a development series. It needs to be defined as that purely, and people who drive in the development series are given the opportunity to drive in the top category at some point. Mm. I see, I, I see. With you. Sorry there, Craig, I agree with you there totally, Tony, Tony, and I think you've hit the nail on the head when you said that money is um, the main issue. The problem is that's racing the Fujitsu series is simply out of reach for a lot of young and very talented drivers. I know um, I could probably come up with a list of half a dozen or more drivers who I know would run right at the front of the field in the Fujitsu series, but they simply don't have the money to be there, and I think that's a problem. The problem is even if they have the money to race the Fujitsu series, they're not going to have the opportunity with only 29 seats to be able to get a seat in the main game. And that's one of the problems is it filters to the top, but the top is so small by comparison to the people who have the skill, uh, forget the money, have the skill to be able to get there. And that's why I think we will, this is my view, we'll see an opening up eventually once the car of the future is employed and it does cost a heap less to get a car on the track we will see the licenses start to grow again that's my opinion it's time for gas and go guys and gas and goes of course being brought to us by the forex gold mega fan survey of course with the support of v8x magazine and uh, i'm sure you guys have already had your uh, 20 minutes of fun putting down your thoughts on the future as we have discussed here already but uh, i've got five questions which i've uh, stolen out of the mega fan survey just to get a, a feeling on how you're going with it. And I will start with Tony Shebeki. Do the regulations limiting the development of technology work to the detriment of the sport? Yes, they do, definitely. Uh, look, I think sport, once again, it's evolution. As things develop, people need the opportunity to uh, develop as well, and technology needs the opportunity to develop. If we regulate that too much, we're going to be caught in some sort of time warp. Okay, Lockie? I semi-disagree with Tony on that one. I think that, yes, while it's important to allow the development of technology, you also need, as we've discussed before, a few restrictions to make sure that the development doesn't happen too fast and too out of control and hands the advantage to the teams that have got the money to be able to afford the new technology. All right, then. Lockie, is there too much emphasis on pit strategy and not enough on driver skill currently? I don't think so. I think that, uh, as we've seen in the races this year in the V8 supercars, you still need to qualify and, and race well and, and overtake cars and, and be fast enough to win the races. And uh, having good pit strategy is definitely part of the equation, but I don't think there's too much emphasis on it. I think the emphasis on pit strategy is pretty much just right this year. Tony? Yeah, no, Tony agree. It's a lot better than what Formula One is at the moment. Don't worry about that. All right, Tony, has the qualifying improved or gone backwards in comparison to last season? Well, I reckon qualifying's probably, uh, well, it's, it's pretty much the same, isn't it? It hasn't really changed compared to last season. Yeah. It's got a lot more exciting because we've got a lot more cars uh, that are actually vying for, uh, for you know, positions up the front. We're, we're actually seeing uh, the, the domination of Triple Eight and uh, Team Vodafone is still there to an extent, but a lot more cars have put up their hands and a lot more drivers have put up their hands and said, hang on, we're not going to stand for this. The Courtney's of the world, uh, you know, Tanders and the like, and, and even some of the other uh, cars. Uh, Tony Delberto has even been in a, a couple of top ten shootouts this year. So, I mean, yeah, no, I think it's probably improved right. from last year. Lucky? Well, 
Yeah, I, I think um, in terms of the format, there hasn't really been much change since last year. I think we've lost one of the segments from the Saturday qualifying session since last season, but I still think that you don't need the top 10 shootouts at all the rounds. I think at the regular rounds you should have a 20-minute session on the Saturday and then another 20-minute session on the Sunday, and you keep the shootouts just for the endurance races. All right. Now, should the circuit designs, Lockie, be modified to to increase opportunities for overtaking in races? The problem with that, Craig, is that to modify circuits becomes a very expensive exercise. And my opinion on that one is that if you design the circuits properly in the first place, then you don't need to worry about modifying them later on. Tony? Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I think, uh, you know, if they're going to have to spend too much money on some of these circuits, one one of two things will happen. We'll either see these circuits go by the wayside or someone will find the money and they'll uh, they'll convince people that it's probably cheaper to spend $50 million on a circuit than to spend uh, $5 million on a, a road course for the next uh, 10 years. Mm. At least the circuit's always going to be there. All right. So, uh, something, something may happen. Finally here, Tony Shebecki on Gas & Go for another week. How much do you think sponsoring a V8 team impacts on whether or not people buy a company's product? Oh, look, I think it's... Uh, I think they get a good cost coverage, actually. Uh, and I know that, you know, specific deals by the TV networks and the like make sure that uh, probably some cars get more coverage than others. Uh, but I think people are definitely influenced in, in VO2, no doubt, in regards to what they're going to purchase. All right, Lucky. Well, here at Charleston University at Bathurst, I can tell you that a lot of my fellow university students consume plenty of Jack Daniels and Jim Bean products, and quite frankly... I don't think whether or not those brands sponsor a V8 supercar team will really have much of an effect on the consumption. I think it'll be pretty high consumption of um, those alcoholic products by university students regardless of whether or not they're on a V8 supercar. Well, that's Gas and Go for another week here. Brought to you by the Forex Gold Mega Fan Survey and VX magazine. Guys, really appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, having a look in your crystal balls and coming up with all those ideas. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Lockie. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Tony. Great to be on the program again. The extended white flag lap is up next. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. In this week's White Flag Lap, it's an extended one because I caught up with Adam Prairie and started asking him about the huge undertaking of the car of the future. It certainly is, Craig. I mean, we've got a massive program in front of us between uh, now and the... Uh end of the year uh, to, to finish a couple of cars and then um, into early next year to then um, track test them, ready for uh, handover to the teams in uh, April 2011. With what you've uh, announced in the last few days with uh, Pace coming on board to construct the new cars, how is that going to help with the uh, eventual rollout by having those two cars independently built of the teams? One of the key uh, parts of the, the Car of the Future program was that uh, 
really to, to take the current uh, type cars that we have now, the, the uh, Ford and Holden chassis, and, and merge them into uh, a, um, a common type platform so that uh, supercars would then have a chassis that's available for uh, other manufacturers to use. And uh, one of the reasons we have Pace Innovation doing is obviously his uh, past experience in building both of the current cars for, for championship winning cars, or teams I should say. So he was the best choice to do that at that stage and it's really about making sure that uh, at the end of the prototype process uh, we're able to hand over um, complete uh, um, design and build specifications to the teams um, without them having to be concerned about the normal build processes where they often have uh, concerns or difficulties in in the build process itself. So all that's taken care of. All the teams will then have to do is just get on with building the cars and then racing them. The flat pack idea has been one that has been seen around the world for supplying the base components. How much does that supercars expect that will save teams? Uh, look, it depends. It's hard to say because teams build at different levels now. I suppose the benefit will be not necessarily in the material cost, but It'll be in the manufacturing process. Part of the, again, uh, uh, an expansion of the, the uh, whole process is that, that supercars will actually uh, identify the correct process for them to manufacture at as well and provide them with the necessarily uh, drawings for tooling um, so that they can refine the manufacturing process. So where teams previously have taken, you know, um, three, four, five months to produce the chassis, this should be worked down substantially when we're, we're looking around a hundred hours out of the normal um, chassis build time that uh, we've experienced in the past. One of the critical things about the flat pack idea and the common chassis idea is you get to better control the safety for the drivers inside the cars and uh, I, I guess that's one of the critical things because you do narrow down very much on the mounting points for all the uh, drivers compartment. Yeah, it does. Look, the, again, the whole prototype or Car of the Future programs really allowed us to focus on some of those details. And um, you know, as we become more professional and and, uh, and whatnot over the years, um, safety is a huge element in our um, category of what we do. And um, the the Car of the Future project again has allowed us to really focus on on side intrusion, driver seat mounting, uh, and front impact. And and we can we can really now make sure that that's all very similar within the in the cars. We're actually working with the uh, FIA at the moment in, um, with the Institute in Paris to do some side intrusion testing for us. Um, and so we're getting those results and that, that's allowing us to build those um, improvements in and, but also validating them as well. Stay with us. This white flag lap continues after the break. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. And we continue now as Adam talks about how many bodies they think they can fit over this one chassis. 
Well, if we go back, we, we've identified probably at least seven different brands that should be able to accommodate uh, the, the um, single platform. So, um, I, I mean, I think for the average person, they probably don't realise that we, we already modify he heavily the current bodies of the, the Ford and Falcon, whilst they look almost like a showroom product. Um, they are actually a little bit shorter than the, the um, genuine car. So... As long as the car is a medium to large passenger car, uh, four-door, um, rear-wheel drive or, or ability to be rear-wheel drive aspect, well, uh, it'll fit on the, in, on the chassis. It's, it's just a, a matter of um, changing those particular panels to, to suit. With aerodynamics being so critical, would a flop body shell be a consideration for uh, their supercars? No. No, not at all. Our, our, the whole aim of uh, Car of the Future is to make sure we have um, market rel relevance in relation to new showroom products and um, that's not where we want to go at all. We want to make sure that uh, the cars um, um, substantially represent the, the uh, showroom product. But that can be replicated by having a number of different uh, moulds? It could be, but uh, look... It's, it's about being able to walk up and touch them and know that, that when you're tapping the side, it's actually either a steel car or it has that genuine uh, look and effect of, of a showroom product. And we, we've been very um, uh, um, keen to make sure that, that that is the way because if, if we are really out there to encourage manufacturers, then, then they do want to have some uh, alignment with uh, our supercars um, in relation to their, their product. But on the, on the current cars, it's more and more composite parts. So what's going yeah, to be steel? Yeah, but those composite parts are there because, uh, you know, in the past, uh, that's where the heavy damage comes into the, the car itself for racing purpose. But, you know, most of the doors, the internal parts of the doors are still uh, are steel. Um, you know, the seals and things like that. Um, if you were to go and um, make that all composite, we also will then run into... Um, being able to um, meet the specifications for FIA as, as in relation to the way we're supposed to build the cars as well. So we, we, we're still a um, what they call a body and white type build process. So there has to be a content of steel of the original um, uh, production car. Thanks very much to Adam Perry and also, of course, to Lachlan Mansell and Tony Shebeki as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.